The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of Beyond is brought to you by ForHims.com. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond! Beyond. Beyond. That is the name of the show. Welcome, everybody, to Beyond 548, episode number 548. That sounded like a weird way to phrase that, like a bad screen name or something. My name is Max Scoville, <laughs> and I'm here with my good friends, Alana Pierce, Hi. Zach Ryan, hey. and Jonathan Dornbush. Charmed, I'm sure. Indeed. Uh, we have all sorts of fun things to talk about on this most thrilling of Mondays in the dead of summer when... Everybody in the video game industry is sort of half asleep at the wheel. <laughs> it's like the whole industry goes into a coma. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, "Can we not talk about things?" Yeah, uh, it's like, like this. It's like this. Yeah. There's this grace period that happens within the industry between E3 and Gamescom, where they shan't speak the name of another <laughs> convention. It's yeah. like, uh, uh, uh. yeah. Uh, no, there's good. There's good stuff on the way. Uh, we're getting sort of teases of what might be coming out of Comic Con or Gamescom, uh, and then of course there's stuff to unpack. We didn't get a chance to properly talk about Death Stranding last week. We talked about all the all the E3 stuff we were excited about. Uh, I spent probably the last uh, f- five hours just like looking at insane conspiracy theories, and I yeah, well, of which could... there are a lot. Oh, it's yeah. so good; it's yeah. so much fun. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, there's a couple little bits of news I figure we could talk about. Uh, Sony is pissing off a lot of people because they are not playing with others; they are not doing crossplay with Fortnite. Um, this has been like a big kind of uh, big kerfuffle on the internet, yeah. Uh, because people obviously they want to they want to transfer their 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 Fortnite progress over to Switch or you know from. So I've, I I understand the basis of this, but basically it's seems like if you try and play Fortnite on Switch with your Epic account, if that account is linked to your PSN, then you can't use it. Correct? Yes, yeah. yeah. It's linked to an account that played on PS4. I had to start a second account to play Fortnite on yeah. Switch that I use my work email, which is annoying. But um, yeah, I mean, this has kind of been a, a, a mounting storm with Sony, right? Like, especially in consideration of Fortnite. Um, if you remember back at during the game's launch, the Battle Royale launch, uh, Epic kind of threw that Switch and had that cross-play for a, a minute, and yeah. then everybody was like up in arms about it because they were like, whoops, oh, we did that by mistake. Button, my bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's it's drawn even more so into the limelight now that it's out for Switch and it's out for Xbox and they can all play with each other, PC, except for PlayStation. And we've same seen as Minecraft. Same Rocket as Rocket League. League. I was going to say, yeah. we've seen PS4, Sony sequester itself uh, with other games that are like predominantly online as well. And it's, it's kind of a bummer because, like Max said, as somebody that's played quite a bit of Fortnite on PS4, it is kind of distracting to go 
start all over again on Switch. So the, the so. point is that you lose all your progress. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that includes and the costumes stuff you, you and on that yeah, account. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that really sucks. I think was it Microsoft or Nintendo that put up like a little, like a little coexist thing. So that uh, for Minecraft, yeah. it, it was released on the Nintendo okay, channel, but it okay. was about crossplay with them and Microsoft. And it ends with them saying, "Explore together, survive together." But the backdrop is half green, half red, mm-hmm. right? And with the I mean, Xbox so and something like better Switch logos. As well. yeah. yeah, so that's the Minecraft update that gets, name. That gets that's like a little bit, China. a little bit more convoluted because obviously Microsoft owns uh, Minecraft. But in this case, it's sort of the fact that. This this could work. It just doesn't because of apparently Sony's yeah. doing so. Well, yeah, they kind yeah. of admitted that it was just money. Um, it's interesting the history with this. Like in the PS3 era, they were open to it, and then they completely changed their minds on that. Um, and I, I think this sucks for consumers. Is the thing I think for gamers this sucks, and we should put pressure on these giant mega corporations to allow people to do this kind of stuff because it's an arbitrary restriction. And I know so many developers who've spoken to me about caring about it too. Like the Rocket League devs have been. Oh, like, they care so much. Like we yeah. really hate that this is a thing. So it's like Sony's not playing with anyone. Um, from a business perspective, that their console is selling so well, like I understand why they're doing it, but at a certain point, you you have to think about fans. You know, you have to think about the people who play your games, and you have to give services like that to those people. And I, I just think this is really disappointing. Well, and I think you're going to see more and more of it as we as the industry leans more into these like cl- cross-platform, like multiplayer experiences. You know, yeah. um, the idea that I I have half the office. I'm sorry, I'm going to do it again, but mm-hmm. half the office here plays Destiny 2 on Xbox, and half is on PlayStation 4. And like, I want to go do cool raids with Brian Malkowitz, mm-hmm. but he's unavailable because you know this giant imaginary wall that's been resurrected between the uh, the two of them so yeah yeah we're getting into such a games as a service yeah. environment for almost every game now even like single player games are getting that to not when you have accounts that go across platforms because this one it's specifically not just the game but your epic account too, right won't right. even log in i think and that's I, where it really sucks yeah. that's specifically it's one thing to be like oh i can't i can't like play a ps4 game against somebody who's playing the xbox one version of it right. that's obviously it gets more complicated there but in this case it's just Stuff you already spent money on, like if, having to make a separate but account. That's that's. Terrible. I mean, that's sort of the uh, the side effect of being like a big nasty corporation, right? It's like you get a cut of all of that stuff that that people are spending their money on. So, like for every goofy costume and pickaxe that I buy in Fortnite on PS4, Sony gets a taste of that. And if somebody is importing their file or importing their profile from Switch or from Xbox, and they've already spent that money on that platform, Sony's like, well, where's our you know X percent of that stuff that you've already bought? Like, does it's, it work that yeah. way? It's an unfortunate side effect. I believe so, yeah. Interesting. If it, yeah. Uh, you, them getting a cut? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would, if it's sold through the PlayStation I, Store, yeah. I would assume huh. so, yeah. Um, because you're sort of licensing out a thing to be sold on I the store. They, yeah, they would make money off of like a cut of V-Bucks because you're using their yeah. store to yeah. buy it. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting because this is a redux of E3 2017 where it was the Rocket League and Minecraft discussions. Right. And I think it was a Sony Europe exec talked about how they were worried about safety. And then yeah, they the spoke expo- about uh, not being able to control other platforms. Like their excuse was something on lines of like, well, we don't know what other people on these other systems are going to be doing. We can't monitor that yeah. community. And I actually respect that, even though I think it's total. Sure. Experience. We all yeah. know. Like, we all know that those Xbox players have got dirty potty mouths. They like really cuss do. quite a bit. Yeah. Do a lot of swears yeah. over there on the old Xbox. Yeah. Well, the X darned. stands for expletive. Mm. <laughs> Little known fact. <laughs> Terrible. The X word. Um, so uh, on the subject of uh, Fortnite and PS4, a leaks also pointed to a Fortnite PS4 bundle, uh, which I think is really funny. Is this the first time we've seen a bundle with a like a, a game that's a, free? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It probably comes with the paid version of the game. But yeah. No, it comes with a paid with, version um, of that there game. Is. Yeah, you can five, pay for that game. You get 500 V bucks and you get an exclusive Royal Bomber skin that is unavailable. It's only on PS4. So and that's apparently out July 16th if mm. Amazon yeah. Italy. That's is wild. Yeah, it showed up on just the uh, Italian <laughs> store. So who knows where in 
it's actually coming. But yeah, it's really curious to see. Apparently, there's also been a story coming around. Uh, paid versions of Fortnite, like the physical versions, are going for hundreds of dollars on eBay. Because wow. Yep. Because Epic moved away from like they sold physical wow. copies at the start when yeah, it first it came out. Yeah, it was like a pretty quick in and out. Yeah, yeah, but now they really haven't been manufacturing those anymore. That's so strange. Like that's such a yeah. testament to sort of like the, the the current landscape we're in. What are you chuckling about? I said a pretty quick in and out, and Alana got the giggles. So uh, we can't. We're, bunch trying, of children. we're trying to talk about the <laughs> we're talking about the Fortnite. Yes. We're about this is about the PlayStation passion. I, I, I do like the video that uh, Nintendo put up. I think it is good to put pressure on them for stuff. Yes. Oh yeah, I mean it's in Microsoft and Nintendo. Kudos to them for like really leaning into this particular marketing. I think it's really smart of them to like put their banners side by side and put them out in the forefront to the gaming public. It's just like, hey, look what we're doing over here. Where's yeah. you know like where's your yeah. friends? They were tweeting at each other too, being. Like, yeah. hey, we can build together. In the what most, we do? like, and, the, yeah. the string of most wholesome tweets of oh, yeah. all time. It was like all it's the adorable. responses were like, yeah, yeah. great. It's, yeah. I've seen uh, someone edited the meme with the, you know, the, the original PS4 when they were like, here's how easy it is to share a PlayStation game and it's right. passing it. And they like <laughs> made that, but with crossplay, it was oh. like the idea that you just like absolutely can't. But it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I hope that this changes. And I think that the more devs that put pressure on them, the more likely it is to change. But yeah. That's not where they make their money. So I don't know. It's it's tough. Yeah. Given the amount of Fortnite that I played this last weekend, um, I, I might be purchasing that special edition should it really exist. That's a very fun game. <laughs> well, good. I, I I think it's pretty funny that like, you know, you get those those cases of like moms who go into GameStop and they're like, I want to buy Fortnite. And they're like, it's not for sale, but now it's like, sure it is. You have to yeah. buy this machine to play it with <laughs> the only way. Um, let's see. Other news. Uh, this is, I don't know if this is a, a spoiler. $600 free-to-play game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, the we're wondering who the uh, the big the other bad guy that's gonna pop up in Spider Man is. We get the there's the the hint of a clanking sound and Spidey goes you, uh, and apparently the voice actor who's playing the Rhino accidentally blurted out that uh, uh, Doctor Octopus is in there. The video so spoilers, that said that in has since been removed. Yeah, so it's a little unclear. They took it down. It was like an interview with some like pro Call of Duty player or something. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think it makes sense. A pro like, what? I don't, you know what, obviously you could you could classify this as a spoiler. I don't think it's a spoiler if Dr. Octopus shows up in a Spider-Man game. Sure. I would say that it, he is he is deliberately absent from these trailers, and it's like, that's a that's a major character, you know? It seems yeah. like it would be him, and he is part of the, what is it, Sinister Six, so it's like, it, it makes sense. For it was him. it was either going to be him or the Green Goblin. It was going to be someone we'll yeah. know, yeah. yeah. My hope is that he, though, is like a huge part of the story and not just the boss at the end you get to, especially yeah. because like the... Uh, performance of him in Spider-Man 2, the film, is so iconic for a Off lot of people. Molina. Yeah, he's so great in that movie, and he's such a well-developed character that I think to have him in this game and just kind of appear at the end wouldn't really work as much for me. Not a fantastic game, but I really like the way Assassin's... Assassin's... Arkham's <laughs> uh, Origins yeah. uh, leads into the main villain. Like, that game specifically, yes. you fight a lot of villains. They've all been contracted by the main bad guy, and then it's a plot twist who that is. And yeah. I think that that makes it really exciting because you're constantly like, well, they're all referencing him. I know that, like, this guy has put out a hit on me. Like, who is this going to be? And yeah. if they weave it into the story, I think... Yeah. And I think they will. Oh, yeah. He's it's also such a mobile villain. Like, being able to use the octopus arms... I can't imagine the awesome chases they could do within the city too. Yeah, yeah and the, the scale of them is great. I just want to point out we're watching the, the clip from the sort of the big uh, the big raft fight that happens in the, the E3 demo. I really like that the Sinister Five or whatever we're calling them here. They sort of gang up on Spidey, the fickle and then five. They proceed to like they're really they're really wailing on him, and then they all start kicking him. You guys are like, <laughs> like Mr. Negative is just—they're really all kicking him like bullies. They're like schoolyard bullies. I really like it. You think this is a real fight in the game? 
I think it's a real cinematic that happens in the game. I think it's going to be mm. cutscene or a yeah. quick time, quick time event. But uh, maybe it's quick times. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, yeah. whatever is happening with our video, the game did not run this chuggy when we saw it. But oh, Bar- Barrett's probably oh, screwing something up in the um, studio. I don't know. He's got like a, like a coffee sitting. Senior comics editor Joshua Yale wrote a very cool piece about his theories on who. Uh, the main protect or main antagonist would be in Spider-Man, and uh, Doc Ock was definitely up there because the the team that's writing the game also did like a very famous uh, Doctor Octopus comic arc. Um, hmm. So all signs kind of point to that. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see that. I feel like it's he's such an awesome character, and we've only gotten him like what once properly. Remember back one? in the first Spider-Man game for the PlayStation One, where at the end of the game he chased you down a big hallway. I, it's a terror, a true terror. Yeah, we've <laughs> not seen it's since. A very then. good game. Uh, I don't all right. know which one I played. I played a Spider-Man game, but I really don't know which one it is. There was there was one for PlayStation One it. that was like very comic booky, and yeah. then there was like the more famous series of Spider-Man games, which were the movie games. Oh. The so f- the first one were, it was NeverSoft, I think. And I, it was, I think you're right. It yeah. was running in the Tony Hawk engine. Yeah. That's so Which weird. is really, and then yeah. that's why Spider Man showed up in like Tony Hawk Two or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the one that I played had a lot of open world stuff, and they were like kind of like gang-controlled neighborhoods, like San Andreas style, mm. like where there would be like the certain like gang would control a different part of the city. And mm-hmm. I remember it distinctly because it gave me my first ever Xbox 360 Red Ring of Death because I was having trouble on a boss fight and the checkpoint was really far back, so I left my Xbox on overnight. Oh, no. So that game gave me my Red Red what? There we go. Oh, was that, was that was great. And I yeah. liked it a lot. It had really good combos. It was a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Huh. It'd give me my red ring. I always get that mixed up with the, the Blair Witch to Book of Shadows. Yeah, a so lot of people it's do an easy mix-up. Yeah. 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 yeah, easy mistake to make. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Moving on. Uh, the, here's a here's one of those like no well yeah no kidding. Uh, Tetsuya Nomura <laughs> admits that maybe the Final Fantasy VII remake was unveiled too early. That was that's this mm-hmm. game that is maybe coming out by 2023. Uh. <laughs> the thing with this is that I feel like it was an accident. Like him admitting it, maybe it wasn't an accident, but it feels to me like they had a plan and then they have completely restructured the plan. Yeah. yeah. He, his comment also, at least in the translation of it, said that there were already whispers going around the uh, industry that it was happening, and so they were afraid of it being leaked. Right. And that was partially why it was announced so early. I, I mean, think, I think I, they, we knew about which, that one. Like, I didn't even work at IGN. And yeah. I was working for BBC at the time, and I knew that that game was coming to E3. Uh, I did not know that that game was coming to E3, and that was my first, the first time I'd ever been at a Sony press conference for E3. Mm. I was there, and, too. Uh, I was there, too. Yeah, it was oh. deafening when this trailer started up. Like, the, the yeah. screams That's from the crazy, audience. Yeah. We all like, would have been in the room, and we wouldn't have known each other. That's really that weird. Wild. Yeah. Huh. Uh, you you missed me crying when the Kingdom Hearts 3 announcement trailer came <laughs> yeah. um, Surprise. Good year. So, Square <laughs> also recently went out of their way to to put out a press release to say like hey by the way this game is not just starting development like we are you know like at least up to our knees in trying to get this thing off the ground i, I still can't imagine that this game is anywhere near Mm-mm. like even getting a second look like do you think you know, they uh, like under underscoped it do you think they underestimated how much people are excited about it like they no they i don't think so because like, fans have been clamoring for this remake since the the first ps3 demo you know people mm-hmm. like oh well you should remake final fantasy 7 when they showed that that uh, you know initial clip but i think um, it was probably more complicated than they expected it to be and i'm still wondering if when it gets re-revealed which is what i think will happen that mm-hmm. it won't be episodic because i still just can't wrap my head around how that game is going to be episodic but i know they as recently as, as this year they were um hiring people for battle mechanics so yeah. 
that's clearly being reworked. And I don't mind with this when some games get announced too early and marketed for too long, you get kind of sick of it. But we know what Final Fantasy VII is, right? We're like, well, I know what this game is. You can, I, I don't think that there's going to be a problem with me being like, oh, I'm not excited anymore. Like, it's going to be fine. I'm so yeah. excited in f- just to look at the list of Final Fantasy games like 10 years from now because it's going to be like the company that can't count. Right. You know, it's <laughs> 10, 10, 2, 10, 3, 15, 7. You're like, what? Yeah, 9 yeah. just came out again recently. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of all over the place. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's cool that it is like a, it is a known quantity. I'm very curious to see how much they tweak it to adjust mm-hmm. for like what, you know, how does that game, how does that story play out in some weird 20, stuff happens 23 in or whatever. Game. Yeah. Is that still going to happen? I mean, the, uh, the battle system alone in that first peak that we got at, uh, I think Paris that was a Games Week or PSX, or PSX. 2015. Yeah. yeah, it was like obviously completely different. It looked more like Kingdom Hearts, actually. Yeah, more like yeah. Final Fantasy 15. Which I'm cool with. Yeah. yeah. Well, Nomura um, is directing both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we actually spoke to him too at E3, and he did mention that it's sort of like moving into the early development stages. Like it's getting into actual production and everything. But um, and we asked about is Kingdom Hearts 3 and FF7. Obviously, those are massive things. Like, how are you devoting your time? Yeah. And he was kind of like, well, I'm putting 100% into Kingdom Hearts 3 and 100% into Final Fantasy 7, so I'm just going to then fully move over and well, focus on I have 7. to imagine as... Kingdom Hearts 3 gets closer to being like Gold Cert, right? Yeah. Like, I have to imagine that his time on the game starts winding down. Oh, yeah. Like, as far as, like, six months out, right? Because, like, there has to be a certain point where all you're doing is squashing bugs, and, like, you don't yeah. need a game director to necessarily oversee QA, yeah. right? So, so I imagine that he's... You actually totally do. Um, this is an interesting point that I learned recently, <laughs> is that, basically, if you fix a bug the wrong way, it can break the whole game, and your yeah. game director, Ooh. especially if they have a design background, will be like, hey, you fixed this bug the wrong way, and you broke ten other things. So that is actually, like, a really important thing, is if someone is like, Hey, uh, I fixed this bug, and they're like, "No, what have you done?" Like, it's really <laughs> complex. I think that's that's super interesting. But I mean, it just goes to show that I have no idea what I'm talking about. Sorry, so. I, just, <laughs> I, just, I found that out literally last week. If so we've I'm learned like, anything, no, I think I, I mean I, I totally understand like a domino effect, but I think that there's probably a, like at least some sense of like laissez-faire when you get further well, into especially like, if you just have a design lead who would yeah. be fine with like managing that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. It, what I was saying is like I, I think that, that as one winds down the other obviously starts ramping up and like if he's going into like full pre-production or even production Final Fantasy 7 it makes sense for that to be happening now yeah. as the, the conversation about Kingdom Hearts is more about the release and less about the development yeah and they very much uh, he spoke a little bit about like they are interested in doing post-release content like DLC for Kingdom Hearts 3 but I don't think it'll be on the scale of here are seven new worlds we created I think it's more like adjustments and enhancements to the game that is supposed to be a very complete package. Yeah. So my, I would guess by January of next year, he's going to really be focusing on 7. So do you think we see 7 at, at E3 2019 or no? No, I don't think so. Uh, no, no. It might be like a, maybe <laughs> that's a, is that a next yeah. gen game? I mean, is know? it is it a situation of like the Last Guardian where they just go like radio silence for a while and then everybody's like that game's probably canceled and then they show up at E3 and they're like, hey, by the way, this game will be out for sure next year or you know, yeah, something like that. Seems yeah. like a safe bet. Yeah. I really want to know: Are we still gonna fight a house? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> like that's, yeah. I love how we've seen all this stuff. We're like, oh, it's so realistic. It's so believable. And you're like, go back and you're like, you fight a lot of houses in that <laughs> I game. I mean, that game famously has like plot holes the size of Texas and also like bad translation. So there's a lot to be fixed, but hopefully house fighting, not on the no, list of, yeah, of changes. Yeah. Yeah. Great back of the box. Crap out of that house. <laughs> just, really, just really ruin it. 
We interrupt this program to bring you a brief message from Hims, a new wellness brand for men. Here's a not-so-fun fact. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and by the time you start to notice hair loss, it's usually too late. It's generally easier to keep the hair that you have than to replace the hair that you've lost, so why not do something about it? 4hims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and other stuff like that that might be embarrassing to deal with in person. Luckily with Hims, there's no waiting room, no awkward doctor's visits, and you can save plenty of time by just going to a website. Hims connects you with real doctors and gives you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and other possibly embarrassing problems. And this isn't snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements either. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. If this sounds like it would help you out, order now. Our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details, but this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or to a pharmacy. So just go to forhims.com slash beyond. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash beyond. Once again, that's forhims.com slash beyond. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. Um no, it's good, it's good stuff. I'm, I'm, I hope they keep it in the oven long enough till it's like done because I think there's something really bad about that that fatigue you get with sort of anticipation for games. Uh, on that note, let's talk about Death Stranding, Ooh. a game that we have <laughs> nice. been speculating about since I don't know what 2016 when it was first unveiled or whenever that was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we uh, we saw the big big proper gameplay reveal at E3 two years ago, whenever that was, two weeks ago. I don't I don't know what, what yeah two only years ago two years ago the, yeah. the, the the one at E3 this time, um, and we got to see a lot of uh, a lot of gameplay of uh, Sam Bridges is his name uh, Norman Reedus carrying around all sorts of boxes. At one point, he sort of carries a mummy. He goes up a little hill. He walks through some water. He does go mm-hmm. in the water, and the baby seems to not be into it, but yeah. he's okay. There's Here we, we go again. The There's the butt. Up, the butt. <laughs> they showed the yeah. Um, what the uh, what, what do you guys? What do you guys think this game is about? What is what, you are walking. a delivery guy who delivers things. You're a porter. Yes, and I okay. I will admit that this is a really stupid thing to be impressed by, but the fact that it seemed like you could walk up anything, a la Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. I was very happy with that. <laughs> yeah. like, when a game's going to do this, um, I imagine it's going to have a bunch of stealth. I have no idea if it's going to have combat. Uh, I mean, he's, I mean he's, he said that it was. He's talked about yeah. how like he, that was there, before we'd even seen the game that he said that. Though. Just pretty recently, he said that like that there would be combat in the game, but it wasn't the ideal way to like get through the so obstacles and the trials. I know initially game, yeah. he said it was going to be like an action stealth game, yeah. but since we've seen gameplay, I don't think he said that. Again. Yeah, mm. that also may have just been an easy classification for like yeah. helping us understand the type yeah. of game it is, the well, framework. It definitely looks like an open world game, which I was sort of having trouble picturing based on previous things we'd seen. Like a lot of the, you know, you see like a beach covered in dead whales and then, you know, like Guillermo del Toro going into a tunnel or whatever. It doesn't yeah. really, I'm not like that doesn't, this looks like an open world game. I don't know what kind of a game it is exactly. I'm getting a lot of like survival vibes from it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that it's going to be like, I, <sighs> I love this because I've been I've been scrubbing through this and like picking it apart and looking at all the there's a there's a ton of wonderful like fan theories on Reddit and YouTube and everything just kicking around there. Uh, and I think this is gonna be a game where you're like they're like, hey, you gotta take this stuff from point A to point B and then all this crap happens along the way. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that I think it's a time travel game. I think there's gonna be a lot of weird time travel. So stuff. I mean I'm having a hard time I'm having a really hard time reconciling like what we saw in this demo versus the initial stuff where we saw like World War II soldiers like hiding out in tunnels and like rolling on tanks and stuff like that in you know the initial yeah. couple yeah. of trailers. Like Matt it Mickelson. seems yeah, all yeah, his stuff tight. seems like really completely different. different. Yeah. yeah. Um especially considering like how how 
artistically and for cutting out there, Barrett, and design-wise, the toenail, the toenail, mm. the toenail thing is awesome. It just I'm seems, awful. yeah, it seems like <laughs> totally incongruous. Like maybe yeah. that was the idea that they had, you know, a year ago, it's two changed. years ago, and it's changed. Or maybe that's just a part of the game that we just haven't seen since. Because even the stuff that we saw at PSX last year. Um, just seemed totally and and design-wise like pretty different. different. So yeah. I mean, when the first trailer came out, he hadn't even picked an engine yet, and now yeah. we know this is running in you know the Decima engine from Horizon. From, yeah. Um, yeah. So I dug into it a little bit. Uh, obviously, it's got a rash. Uh, we got like a we got like an official yeah. synopsis from Sony, which just this is happened. so wild. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is this is what it says. Besieged by death's tide at every turn. That's like the big sort of headline thing. Sam Bridges must brave a world utterly transformed by the Death Stranding. Wait, what? That's the, it's called the Death Stranding. Uh, carrying the stranded remnants of the future in his hands, Sam embarks on a journey to reunite the shattered world one step at a time. What is the mystery of the Death Stranding? What will Sam discover on the road ahead? A genre-defining gameplay experience holds these answers and more. I hope it gets renamed to the Death Stranding because it sounds so much goofier. Does is stranding a real word? Stranding? Yeah. Stranding is a thing. Stranded. That, yeah, it's, that's a yeah, word. Stranding. Strand, like the term stranding in this context is apparently a thing that ocean life does. Some like crabs will sometimes just like beach themselves or whatever. And I guess mm. whales too. That's beaching them. So, okay, so it would be just similar to stranded. So uh, that's what death is. Is I think it's the stranding to me, that kills you. I think it's so. I okay. <laughs> if we're, we're going to do this, so they yep. talk a lot about chiral allergy. Like he's like, oh, she goes the um, uh, Leia Sedu goes, oh, you've got chiral allergies. Is that why you're crying? And they talk later about like chiralium density. Um, if you go back and watch Breaking Bad uh, season one episode two, Walt gives this whole talk about. Um, uh, chirality, which is effectively, it, it comes from the Greek word for hand, and it means like the mirror image of something. And that explains all the handprints that we see in this trailer. Um, it, In terms of chemicals, it can mean like if something that is sort of laid out um, in one way, if you like, if you sort of flip the chemical compound the other way, it can completely change its properties. So I think this is going to be about uh, sort of as death, almost as like a, not, not just like a state for life, but like another... I think I, be, <laughs> I sound, no, I sound no, so crazy. It's amazing. I love yeah. this. Keep I think, doing. I think it's presenting death as more of like an anti-life, like the idea that there there are there are ghosts, the like there are sort of ghosts, but they're almost like interdimensional ghosts. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, that's what. So if, if that's the point, then maybe those hands are. We can't see whatever it is because it's in a different dimension, but that connection is that they are still making imprints. Yeah, and the yeah. stranding has caused like a rift between the two sides. That seems maybe. to be like as far as like my hypothesis goes is like whatever is happening with these these giants and the, the whatever creatures are making these handprints they're right on the other side of our reality mm -hmm. right yeah. they're just on the other side of the glass and yeah. we that idea that they are crossing over to some extent but aren't there like entirely is what the death stranding is right this sort of no man's land between mm. whatever their dimension is and whatever our dimension well, we is. know he goes somewhere when he dies which right is like sort of underwater or something and maybe yeah. that's like the middle dimension that he has to come back out of we know this time travel stuff because the rain makes people mm -hmm. age time fall and mm -hmm. i think like we discussed it on the show the theory that the baby is norman reedus's character mm -hmm. that it's his character and i confirmed that with a reliable source and i was like <laughs> i have this theory is this the thing that i'm like oh yeah totally okay so it's in theory, the baby is him I mean, that he needs to protect for the future. So he's terminatoring himself. He's like, he's yeah. I'm gonna keep anybody from John Connoring me. I gotta but go. They're all and afraid of the baby too. Myself. Okay. I think. I think the baby's the only. He's got like a sixth sense baby who can is the only reason that he can see the ghosts. Mm -hmm. So he, like, yeah. there's a part in the in the gameplay where he like he pulls out this weird like card reader thing and he apparently jacks it into the baby or whatever. And then the second he does that, that little antenna thing on his shoulder starts acting up a storm and like clicking around. 
Um, mm. Earlier in this in this one, they talk about how like he's talking to this guy on the radio, and the guy's like, "Oh, there's like a the the chylarium chylarium density is is getting off the charts. We got to get you out of there. If they eat you, you'll cause a void out." Uh, which apparently, I think that I think the idea is that if you if this if if Sam Bridges in particular gets eaten by these ghosts, for lack of a better word, it causes a gigantic explosion, like we saw in the mm. past few demos. Interesting. And I think that that's going to be a key gameplay like mechanic where you have to die sometimes on purpose, hmm. uh, and then you have to sort of Groundhog's Day your way through it. And like, uh, yeah. and I love that we're just being like, yeah, Groundhog's Day, the sixth sense. And I know that that sounds like derivative and reductive. I'm it's trying Kojima. to find something he's, to cling to. He, he, yeah. He's pulling stuff from all over True. the place. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Didn't he also tweet a couple of days ago that it's like, no, I didn't just choose Norman Reedus because he's famous. He's also like has a really important reason that I chose. I'm going to see Oof. if I can find that tweet. It was like very like, oh, you're a little bit defensive about this. Man. I'm, I'm <laughs> curious about that. Uh, so there's obviously some, you know, some familiar stuff from, I mean, he, Norman Reedus was going to be in Silent Hills in, right. in PT. Um, there's a really crazy, there's like a really crazy theory going around right now uh, <laughs> that the, uh, the character who Lindsay Wagner is portraying has some similarities to uh, the character Maria from Silent Hill, uh, Silent Hill Two, I guess. Who wears like a red dress, gold necklace, kind of blonde hair. People put them side by side together, and they're like, "This looks like a same the same character design. This is kind of odd." Uh, and it gets here's where it goes really out there. Um, so, so apparently, the, the necklace she's wearing looks like um, notes of, for a music box, like little little punch card kind of code for that. Uh-huh. People are trying to piece together what the music box is, like what the what the what the notes will be. Um, people have also pointed out that. Music box puzzles are a huge part of Silent Hill too. Okay, uh, and that you do them in a place called Lakeview Hotel, and in the poster of Lindsay Wagner for Death Stranding, there is a lake in the background, a literal view of a lake uh-huh. with music box stuff in there, and it's a sort of like themes like that. It seems like kind of obviously this isn't this isn't a Silent Hill sequel, but it kind of is. It's, it's sort of a spiritual successor. That's mm-hmm. the last thing Kojima was messing around well, with. If you, if you're right about the survival elements as well, we had been told, and I like people still don't seem to believe this, but uh, that uh, Metal Gear Survive was Kojima's idea. Like That he was the one who was like, why don't we try this, and I want to try this, and then the studio made it when he had left. So it's like, it's, mm-hmm. if it's a combination of everything he's ever worked on, then that sounds yeah. awesome to me. Um, yeah, it would absolutely not be surprising to see whatever he had planned for Silent Hills make its way into this game, yeah. just under a different name. We heard some crazy stuff about plans for Silent Hills, though. Like, we heard, like that you had to like sign a waiver because it would like send you emails and like <laughs> mess with your wi-fi like we had like next level stuff oh, wow. about that game i mean kojima gets how the internet works and he understands how people will unpack his the things he's doing mm-hmm. and that's what's happening right now like we're already sort of playing death stranding trying to pick all this stuff apart totally what he wants uh, us to do oh it's, yeah i mean it sounds completely bonkers and out there uh i like this one they so um sam bridges had on his on his like one of his costumes he's got this like this string of numbers and people Picked it apart. The numbers are 0914-137. And somebody put together that uh, Psalm 137, verse 9, is 14 words long, and it is, happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. So a, a Bible passage about killing babies. Just insane. Uh, just seems kind of far-fetched, but also not, you know? I mean, that's no. that's a lot of the stuff that's flying around right now. It's like people just sort of grasping at straws. Like, I, you know, I was talking to you earlier about a, a fan video that I watched this weekend, a theory video where, you know, this guy spends like the first 10 minutes of the video dissecting a logo, flipping it around, changing the opacity, highlighting the areas that overlap, and then spelling out MGS0. And it's like, oh, this must be a prequel to Metal Gear Solid. It's like, maybe Kojima just likes to reference stuff that he's into. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, maybe not everything has a specific, like, 
maybe not everything is a clue and some of it is just like, oh, I like this thing. Like, I'm going to put this in here or I made this game so I'm going to like casually wink at that. Mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah. like I love the idea that, that, that the community is coming together to like try to parse out all this stuff, but it's also like, why, why would Kojima have anything about Silent Hill Two in his game like that's like from a company that like sort of infamously uh -huh. gave him the boot and he had nothing to do with silent hill 2 so the idea that he would make a spiritual successor to silent hill well, 2 to me is like i mean maybe he's asking for trouble my is dude that, yeah. is that the nudge to be like hey this is a music box puzzle yeah like maybe mm -hmm. that's the, the the wink and the nod you know what else like, had music box puzzles a lot of resident evil games so what oh if this is resident, resident, Ooh, evil. Pretty cool. yeah. resident evils um, yeah. yeah these tweets are up that's basically the Kojima Productions account has been sharing hashtag DS stories, which I guess is Death Stranding stories. Not nah, Dark Souls stories. Kojima oh, also loves Dark Souls. My bad. Um, this or the one Nintendo says, As DS. you may already know, Norman Reedus is starring in Death Stranding. However, some people seem to think that he was cast merely to bring in a celebrity. Had that been the reason, though, there may have been other options. <laughs> Why did Sam need to be played by Norman? And it's basically just about how they have a solid bond. But there's like a couple of things about who designed the art and... Yeah, that's not like it's a just, super huge... It's just like weird relationshipy stuff that they've just been tweeting about. And they also already modeled him for Silent Hills, so, yeah. you know. It was easy. Yeah, just use the art. Yeah, just I feel like Kojima's... Exactly. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to yeah. explain Kojima to another actor, you know, who's probably like, what's what's going on there? I mean, mm -hmm. I love how nobody, everyone, who, people who are working on the game are like, I don't understand what it's about. Like, Mark Cerny was like, yeah, I've played it for about five hours and I started to figure out what you're doing in it. Yeah, I... I so there are a few devs who've played it, um, I'm really just going all out this week. I'm just like, so things I've heard. Uh, one of them told me they didn't like it. Okay. Yeah. That's Very, fair. Like a prolific dev in the industry was like, I thought it was real weird and wasn't really a fan. It was like, interesting. Miyamoto? Yeah, it was, was Miyamoto. It? Yeah. I mean, I there's... Yeah. I, yeah. I had a good chat about it. There's sure. a lot of conversation around uh, Kojima and the way that he has to tell stories in his own way, like especially can, like around the original Metal Gear Solid versus... MGS 2 through 5 in that MGS 1 was localized by an, like an American and that added a level of cohesion that is maybe missing from the rest of his games whereas everything kind of gets turned further and further sideways as you get deeper into his uh, you know gameography uh, and this to me like this whole thing seems like like, I'm really fascinated by it I'm a big Kojima fan like I, I've played the shit out of all the Metal Gear games do I expect this game to make any sense narratively? Hell no! Like it doesn't matter to me. Like it's I, it, it. There will be <laughs> an narrative for and sure. I think yeah. But like whether fun. or not it's it's cohesive, whether or not it like makes right. sense at the end of the day is like, well, that'd be a nice bonus, but I don't expect that. I mean, I there's a, yeah. there's a post on the on the Death Stranding subreddit where somebody's like, hey, I just had the thought, like, what if uh, what if none of this makes Who's sense? Who's this <laughs> shitty teen that you're doing a voice <laughs> of right now? What if none of this hey. makes sense, man? But it was like this this really like panic sort of thing. Like, what if Kojima's just real weird? And all of our theories don't make sense, and neither does the game. And I was like, so like art, so like yeah, if he makes right. art and it doesn't That's make sense. The thing is, yeah. even if it doesn't make sense, I'm okay with that because there's value in the discussions that we will have about the nonsense, like what we're having right now. Oh, yeah, like regardless of whether this piece is like universally considered cohesive, we will be like, I think this might have meant this, and that will be a game in its, its in its own right. And mm -hmm. aside yep. from the actual video cool. game. No, I <laughs> As someone who got obsessed with the Cloverfield ARG, 
like this feels just like that where I may have more fun trying to piece together the clues of what the hell this is as opposed to the actual thing. Yeah. But this is still a great ride, and it's still like a fascinating deconstruction of our focus and attention on the media we get obsessed with. Yeah, so it's not a walking simulator. I think at the, I think at the end of the day, like looking back on my experience, our collective experience with Metal Gear Solid Five, like say what you will about the narrative in that game, but the like the meta narrative that happened, the conversations that popped up, like in the in the office, like oh, and then I got on my horse and I put a balloon on a man and I shot a guy from a rooftop. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> like that that is one one way of telling that story. But then we also got into crazy discussions about the fragmented story that was being told within the context yeah. of the game and the backlogs and like even in the unfinished like animatics that eventually went up later. And I don't know. I I think to some extent like there are there are games and designers and devs that tell a story in a certain way and like Miyazaki is is like Michael this and yeah our friend Michael Zaki yeah. um he it's the same kind of conceptual approach for Dark Souls where it's like this game doesn't have like an outright like XYZ narrative mm -hmm. but there's a lot of stuff around it that can fill in and color in like your perception yeah. your your takeaway so I think like lore is it kind of undermines storytelling sometimes sure like to to mm -hmm. to flesh out a world so much that it has like a rule set versus letting it be interpretive and letting people pick it apart and try to make their own sense out of it. Yeah. Funny, like in Bioshock, they put the audio logs in because they had stories they wanted to tell and couldn't figure out where to put them. And everyone was like, genius, they put in audio logs. Yeah. And they were just like, we don't know how to put this in. Yeah. Let's just <laughs> make those, chuck them in there. And, uh, yeah. Metal Gear Solid Five at like the audio log where Ocelot and Snake get in like a naked shower fight. <laughs> and there's like a bunch of hamburger Ground recipes. Ground Zero's <laughs> had some weird ones. Yeah, like, they're yeah. pretty weird. Yeah. Um, let's see, one, there's anything else on Death Stranding here? There's a lot to, lot to talk about. Uh, yeah, the logo designer is the same guy, um, Kyle Cooper, I think, yeah. who's been doing it since. My notes are all over the place. So MGS two, yeah. yeah, he's he's the guy who did the, the opening titles for for uh, seven, which is a brilliant title sequence. Like the guy straight up tells stories using just title cards, which is yeah. a wonderful thing. And it's I love the idea that he's been. Like Kojima made a beeline for him the second he had a budget to be like hiring Hollywood people. Yeah, right. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Like we were talking about uh, Kojima working with Norman Reedus and stuff, and and he kind of strikes me as like a, a one of those dudes, like one of those cats, like Wes Anderson or like the Coen Brothers, where they have this. He's kind of quickly amassed this like stable of people that he wants to work with over you know like the course of his career, you know, and that's what makes a Kojima game a Kojima game, even if it's a lesser-known folks like Minigawa or something where it's like, okay, this guy has done all the character design for all of my games, and, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's just as a, as a whole, he, you know, he has to rely on his team to, like, help bolster, like, what a Kojima game is, and I think we, yeah. like, the further we get into his career, the more we see him as, like, this singular entity. Yeah. So, yeah. He's clearly working with, people he's a fan of too like if you look at any photo he's taken of Mads Mikkelsen you can tell yeah uh, but that's what love looks like yeah, yeah exactly but I just I I do really uh I get drawn to creators who have that sort of stable of things so mm -hmm. even as someone who really hasn't dug yeah that stable of things uh and mm -hmm. even as someone who hasn't really played Don't a lot of that's gonna get gift so hard. yeah yeah, yeah. This is, this is great for the audio show. Sorry, go ahead. Now, uh, just as someone who hasn't really played a ton of Kojima games, I'm sort of fascinated by all of this lead-up and the build-up to what Death Stranding actually is. Yes. And this whole entourage right now is just sitting back laughing their asses off at all these conspiracy theories and stuff. Like, I love the idea that they're all like, 
Yeah, we know what that's about. You're wrong. <laughs> I mean, I, I ran into Norman Reedus at New York Comic Con. Like, I was like leaving, I was leaving a party, and he like he pulls up, and I was like just standing outside, like waiting for an Uber or something. And I was like, I don't usually do this, but I was like, Hey, dude, can I get a, can I get a selfie? And I was like, Hey, man, Death Stranding looks awesome. He's like, Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I just do what he tells me. And I, was, <laughs> I think he said that at the Game Awards too. Yeah. Like, I don't know what this game's about. <laughs> trust this guy. Um, yeah, I was like, I was, I don't know. It's really weird. He said. Very scruffy man. He's gonna be running around all kinds of mud puddles, falling in rivers. I'm excited. Funnily enough, uh, one of the guys on the Dreams team looks shockingly like Norman Reedus, and every time that I'll see him in a distance, he just like looks so much like Norman Reedus. I'm always like, oh wait, no, Meaty Molecule, never mind. <laughs> just like <laughs> look incredibly similar. All right. Uh, so moving back, uh, let's talk about another. Uh, there's really no way to segue this. Uh, Dorno, another deep and complex uh, franchise. Dorno, tell us about Spyro the Dragon. Uh, Spyro, like Lord. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me. I mean, we can do that too. Uh, but going back into the Spyro, actually, a thing about Spyro lore. Actually, we'll come up in this. Sorry. Uh, I got to play Spyro Reignited trilogy at E3, uh, which. In the same way that Crash, like first playing that uh, Insane Trilogy remake, replaying Crash for the first time, it just muscle memory hit immediately. Uh, just in the way his glide feels, the way his dash feels, all of the characteristics of him feel true to the original character, which is really interesting because they didn't use a single line of original code from Insomniac because they did Whoa. not ha- they did not Whoa. have that code. Wow, they couldn't it find exist it anymore. Yeah, they yeah. just I think it was lost in some office. So it's just like one hundred percent a remake. It's yeah, they completely built this sort of from the ground up. Um, I, I think some of the music they're reimagining Stuart Copeland soundtrack and everything, so it's obviously pulling heavily inspired from it. Stuart the, Copeland, Stuart of Copeland the police. famously of the, the police. police. Uh, but yeah. something, if you're watching the video version of the show, what's really interesting is because they're building it from the ground up, but trying to put so much more detail in it. Uh, in the first game, you're saving all of these crystallized dragons in this little hallway that Spyro's running through there are all these paintings on the wall that didn't exist in the original game but Mm -hmm. tell the story of this single dragon that you save in the game and so you get all this deeper backstory to the actual world that they decided to put in because they had the resources to sure is spyro a jerk because he's just like beating up these nice old men yeah, I was going to say, he's rolling around just roasting a bunch of he's, versions yeah. of the he's dog from been, Labyrinth. He's, like, been that's kind of cool. a, he's been kind of a crap. Like yeah. He goes and he burns animals and but, stuff. But he's voiced by uh, SpongeBob's Tom Kenny. So yeah, he's, he's somewhat nice. Uh, what's really interesting was there was an original voice actor for Spyro in the first game. Tom Kenny did him for two and three, the voice. Uh, they brought him back to just do all three games uh, because he was sort of the clear fan favorite. Cool. Uh, but yeah, it's the worlds are so much more detailed and layered and not just in sort of the paintings on the wall, but even the way the dragons are animated. Barrett did an amazing uh, graphics comparison from the original game, and it's just stunning to see. Right. You see this new dragon. The old dragon moves. It was basically the same reskin dragon five or six times for every single of the dozen, a few dozen dragons in the game. Um, so they're just they're really going hard into building out this world, which I love as someone who played those first three games. Those crystal dragons as well. First four figures who make some of my favorite statues ever just announced yesterday, I believe, yeah. um, a crystal dragon statue. So that is going to be available for pre-order pretty soon as well if you want to get one of those. Pretty cool. Yeah, what, what year did the original Spyro come out? Uh, 98. It's actually, oh, wow. yeah, the uh, Reignited Trilogy comes out, I think, two weeks after the 20th anniversary. Oh, nice. That's yeah. perfect timing. I'm, I'm so happy we're getting this stuff. I'm, like, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty excited about this because I, I think when, when Spyro came out, I, I would have been... 12 or 13 and I was like way too tough to play a babby game like yeah, Spyro. Like Metal yeah. Gear Solid. Yeah, exactly. Dudes in a yeah. hallway. Um, but He's chasing this little sheep. This cute yeah. little adorable sheep. Looking back at it like or looking at this version, I'm down to play a 3D platformer. Yeah. yeah. This what, looks great. really good. What's really cool about the first game too is there are these sort of open world flying sections where uh, Spyro's constantly flying around you have to chase down a certain number of trains or go through a number of different hoops and they're sort of these first prototypical open world areas 
that the uh, two and three really built on the idea that you have these areas to explore. Uh, so it's really amazing to have the full uh, the evolution of that franchise just right. on this one collection. Huh. That's great, and also yeah. like the lighting is insane. It's yeah, yeah the uh, playing through it, it is gorgeous. I kind of spent at least half my demo, I think, just doing panoramic shots just to see. I saw some of those. Yeah. yeah. Was there anything you didn't like about it? Um, so the first one for me is I don't love the leveled structure of it as much. I think two and three really build on how much there is to collect and how much there is to explore in those worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, and they build out, uh, Spyro's repertoire of uh, abilities a little bit more. So it, it's just more that the first game is a little more limited than two and three. And I love those games so much more. So well, I, I think, really want to see them. I think it's sort of analogous to crash, right? Because yeah. like, I remember talking to you around the time that the crash remastered trilogy came around and it's like, yeah, that first game, it's really a proof of concept. It's uh, you know, not aged oh, super yeah. well. And I think that's probably true here as well. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff in the first Spyro game, but I will likely play through it once, just try to get what I can out of it and really focus it on two and three. Uh, but yeah. It, Which one's your favorite? Uh, Ripto's Rage 2. 2. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm dying to play yeah. this. Uh, I'm also like, I, I'm really excited to see if we get like a brand new from the ground up Crash Bandicoot game next year. Yeah, like yeah we just got that new level. Likely. Yeah, so that's coming, the new level's coming out uh, June 29th uh, when the game is also coming to uh, Switch and Xbox and PC. And it's Vicarious Visions completely built that level from the ground up. It's mm -hmm. uh, It uses the future uh, aesthetic that's only in I think two levels in Crash Warped, so they really want to use that. But they said it's one of the most complex levels uh, because it's very it has all these divergent paths and secret areas. Yeah, they said so they really they, built it from the ground up with speedrunners in mind. Like yeah, so you can play it without doing any of that kind of stuff. But they really wanted there to be a lot of options and people can get creative with it. So yeah, Crash, Crash Bandicoot: The Lost Levels, basically. Yeah, well, so the the original level that they <clears throat> excuse me released as DLC was a level that uh, Naughty Dog built way back in the day, but never, never actually. Yeah, yeah, they never released so, so it's like super difficult right yes yeah, stormy ascent is super hard so it's, it's amazing seeing that there is a brand new level for the original crash games coming out and i can't wait to see if they do something similar with spyro down the road just what whether that leads to new games it's okay. cool as hell i, I, I want like a hyper realistic bandicoot game where he just mm. goes around as like a real real little bandicoot like pairing a bandicoot what what kind of animal is a bandicoot? It's like, what do you, it's, it's a marsupial. marsupial. It's Australian, you should know. Yeah, yeah I feel like that. Yeah. He's got that great yeah. Australian accent in the Spyro Skylanders animated series. Oh. You don't talk about that. Boy, it's me, Krish. It's good. Yeah, one-to-one. I feel like Crash I didn't know you did a, the VO. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like yeah. Crash as a Skylander is sort of like how Crash would be if you met him in real life years later. Like he just, it's like seeing, I don't know, like Billy Idol now. You're just like, oh, no, put a, <laughs> dude, put a shirt on. It's scary. I don't like it. <laughs> You're like, oh, you've had plastic surgery in your hair. Those are hair plugs. I'm not having it. Uh, all right. So real quick, uh, there are, in fact, some brand new games coming out this week. But there's a catch. Some of them are, in fact, old games that some are coming out. Some brand new old games. Wow. Um, they're all awesome, though. Or not all of them, but some of them. Uh, Far Cry 3 Classic Edition is finally coming out. Um, yes, yes, Far Cry yes, 3 yes. Rules. That, that is, like, is yep. my highest review score I've ever given is to Far Cry 3. Mm -hmm. 9.5. I gave it, uh, I, gave really it a, I think I gave it a 4. Four out of five? I don't, I don't know. I reviewed Far Cry three. Like four out of ten. I was like, oh. Four out of ten. I know. <laughs> yeah. Far Cry Very deserving rules, of both of those scores. Yeah, it's I, hell. yeah it kind of uh, set the tone for what all future Far Cry games would be. Set the bar too high, though. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah. That's true. I think it yeah. topped all of future Far Cry games. I haven't. I haven't liked any as much as I liked three. And I, think I liked it's four mm. quite a bit. I don't think I liked it better than three. No, I, it's okay with it. Whenever I certainly like three better than five. It just feels like deja vu. It just feels like oh, I played this game. Already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, like that's fair. 
Yeah. Rudy is part of the reason I dress like this, honestly. <laughs> it kind of came out right at the same time that I was like, Hawaiian shirts are fun. They're like vacation shirts. I like the vacations. They're cool. You know, mm. like, I mean, the thing with Far Cry 3 is it's a big, big they, moment for you. <laughs> well, they send you to this like beautiful place and you're like, oh, sorry, it's an, it's awful here. You're like, yeah. oh, well, that sucks. And I feel like with um with like four and, and five, they're they're still gorgeous and scenic locations, but they don't have that like that like cartoonish like you know, tourist palm tree like fun right. time you know it's more like oh here's just an exotic locale yeah um, and you get attacked by an animal that shouldn't be on the same piece of land as another animal yeah just, just the environment that doesn't make any sense the the sharks in Far Cry Three like still scary they're me. so oh, scary yeah. because really? I I went for the achievement slash trophy I don't remember what platform I played it on where you you well, unlock the thing for <laughs> getting all the collectibles. And you had to do plenty of like deep diving underwater to like avoid sharks, and you just see them, and you'd be like, "Oh boy, oh I really need to collect them." Like it was terrifying because you never really see them coming. I think to like upgrade like whatever like salamander as well, whatever like like bag full of grenades you had to kill sharks to get. Like I wound up just like cheating and just like throwing mines at them from the from the side of the. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I pretty going often to, just shot them while yeah, they're in the water, run over yeah. them with a jet ski. Like I'm like, no, going in the water, you scare me. Uh, so that boss speech like the, you know the definition of insanity it turns out that that was actually and this is another thing that I heard that I didn't get a second sauce on but I heard during E3 <laughs> is that that was written uh, as basically like a lot of the time when you're writing a, a game and if your designers don't agree that's like they can have a lot of trouble with that and uh, the writer kept trying to write a speech for boss and they, they kept being like no this doesn't work no this doesn't work so he wrote it out of anger as like a do you know the definition of insanity like literally because he was writing the same thing over and over and over. So they just, they just had the dude perform one of his emails out loud pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. I love a that. Dramatic reading. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also out this week is Ikaruga, which is a f f fabulous shmup. Yeah. Um, that also just hit Switch, I think. What is Ikaruga? Yeah. I don't know what Ikaruga is a, like a super uh, famous, uh, uh, not side-scroller, but... Uh, vertical? Uh, yeah, vertical sh uh, shoot em up Cool. Yeah. The whole thing is you can like switch mm -hmm. polarities. Uh, famously, also, this is a good one, uh, a piece of IGN history. Mm -hmm. On the, the box art, we wrote... Our frothing anticipation increases, or something. We we use the term frothing anticipation, and then it says IGN. Or is it? I don't know. Our frothing demand increases. Frothing demand increase. Yeah, something yeah. like that. It's it was something, something gross. like we frothing we had an opinion about a game. We put it through Google Translate twice, and then sent it off to the PR person. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So you know, the next time somebody's like classic IGN, I'm like, that's you know, that was a classic. I think we did a good <laughs> job there. Yeah, good one. Um, also, it is uh, Luminous remastered. That's you know if if you don't if you don't want to do anything with the rest of your time and you just want to fall back into that pit you can do that that's the thing that people like to do um, and then as far as new games uh, Slime Son is a big one that's kind of like a slimy slimy little meat yeah meat uh, Slime Son is a like a super challenging platformer it's been on Switch for about a year uh, Brian Altano uh, famously like loves this game um, it was one of his his picks for best of last year. But basically, you just—it's like an eight-bit platformer. You play as a little slime boy, and you can stick to walls. You can like drip through crates. You just basically do like slime stuff. Mm. But it is super challenging um, and just really charming. You kind of like Alex Mack. You're exactly like Alex. In fact, it's in the Alex Mack universe. Yeah. yeah. Little known fact. Is Alan Strange uh, there? So a uh, uh, <laughs> developer told me off the record one time, we were hanging out, and he's like, yeah, this is an Alex Mack game. Just, Ooh, so what do I have to lose anymore? Yeah. It's like, I'm like, I'm just going to tell you all the secrets. Can you get the likeness rights for Larissa Olenek? Um, <laughs> also out this week is uh, The Crew 2, which is cars and boats and planes and all those things. We um, played that video game. We did like a let's play for that. I, I, It's getting, like, there's a beta out right now, and it's getting kind of weird, like, lukewarm buzz, but I honestly think this is one of those games that, like, if you jump into it in six months, they're going to have gone in and, like, punched it up a bit. I think it's, like, a really interesting 
it's it's a really interesting time for this game to come out kind of on the heels of the Burnout remaster because the Burnout remaster sort of took the office by storm again because Burnout is just an incredible arcade mm -hmm. racer and this game is not getting as good a reception mm -hmm. uh, I, and I think kind of based on how the proximity fine. to like how awesome that game is and exactly uh, the the gimmick in this one is that you can change vehicles sort of on the fly mm -hmm. but you can't really. Yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't always work super well. Like yeah. you, you can pretty often like accidentally land a boat in the street or whatever. But um, it's pretty it, fun to drop a boat. That's on street boats. Yeah, they don't. You, you can't drive them on the street. It's Night really boat. <laughs> um, it's it's fine. Like I know that it's not on PlayStation, but it's just like if you have a chance, just play Forza Horizon instead. I think. Yeah, I think this exists in a weird spot because if you are hardcore into arcade Classic racers, show. obviously Forza Horizon's a huge one. And then there's really also good. if yeah. you want an open world game with all sorts of vehicles, GTA Online has that covered. But um, this one does let you transform. It's also um, I know some people are really hung up on like brand name vehicles, and so this has like an official big roster of actual officially licensed trucks and cars and boats and stuff like that. We're talking Lamborghini. We're Ooh. talking Ferraris. <laughs> We're talking Porch. How many of these do you have? Porch. <laughs> Porch. I've always wanted to drive a Ford Mustang. <laughs> the fastest of the cars. Um, yeah. So and there's a handful of other other things coming out this week, but we've uh, we've we've talked for far too long. Um, we will not have a regular show next week, but we will have a very exciting sort of live event we're doing this Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be talking about uh, taking a trip down the old memory lane and talking about our fondest and weirdest and most embarrassing PlayStation memories. Uh, and if you are in town for kind of funny prom, and uh, I don't know if we're sold out of tickets for that. We have a very small allotment of tickets left. Right. We might be sold out by the time the show goes on. Less than, Less 10, than 10 left. 10 so left. jump on that if you haven't already. Check it out, and uh, we'll probably have a nice Fourth of July episode going up with lots of people laughing in the background and Ooh, yeah. uh, an entirely Ooh. different energy from four people sitting in a cold room talking to themselves. Uh, <laughs> you can find us uh, all. That's also my lost day at IGN. Everyone. What? You're going to announce uh, that right now? Here? Yeah, right here, right now. Good Lord. Oh, okay. Boy. Well, that'll be up on my YouTube channel before that. So. Oh, I see. But yeah, that is going to be my last day at IGN. I'm going on to new adventures, but um, if people can come, you'll be able to like hang out at IGN on my last day. So. Yeah. So that's that's the big announcement. Just you're leaving us. Yep. That sucks. And we're getting I scooped know. by YouTube. You're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a news editor. Sure everyone in first. the building knew before I said anything on any of the shows, and then I was trying to figure out how to time it. But there's no. I guess I'm just dropping it on you right now. There's no right way to do it, and I guarantee you that in six months somebody will be on your like YouTube channel, be like, "Why aren't you in IGN videos?" Anymore? I don't see yeah. you on the fix anymore. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Um, no, but that's. I'm gonna. We're, we're all gonna miss you, and that's that's a, here a whole lot. pain in the ass. But you know, come hang out. Of course. You know? yeah. Where um, I think. Yeah. If, uh, to speak for the table, I think we're all super proud to say that we had an opportunity to work with you and and do a lot of the stuff that like, make me cry, Zach. I'm sorry, damn it. Yeah, but we love <laughs> you very much, and we're very proud of you. And thank you. Yeah, yeah, we can't fault you for going on to the next one. Exciting new adventures. It's gonna you're gonna do great. You're gonna, you're gonna I'm gonna fault there. you. I have abandonment issues. <laughs> I'm real sad. <laughs> No, you're but gonna but make him cry. Yeah. I make the, the big boy cry. Yeah, but no, um, also legitimately, yeah, it's been amazing working with you and like seeing your work here. Before I worked here, I was a huge fan of, and having the chance to work with you, you continue to turn out incredible work consistently, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Where do, where do people, if you can say it, can you get all choked up and misty eyed? Where can people find the rest of your stuff? Just everything's just at Charlonazad. It's my name in the middle of Charizard. Yeah. and I'm oh. fine. Not sad at all. Everything's totally fine. You have you have more. <laughs> I think you've got more. What? What do you want, Barrett? What are you saying? Oh, thank you. Toronto. I'm gonna miss everyone so much. It's like this. <laughs> this show is like one of the highlights of my week, and I think you guys know that. It's yeah. So much fun. So. Well, 
It's, it's going to be just a bunch of dead weight sitting around without you here. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you better. You Who better will give us the scoops? Oh, yeah, oh no! I was like, go if I'm gym. leaving, what are they going to do? Fire me? Just take all my scoops? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the scoops. Anyway, uh, yes, you can find Alana on Twitter and everything else. Charles Alanazard. Zach is Zacharias D. Correct. He's not going anywhere. So That's true. You, you can find me. You leave. I'll be so cross. You find me here, and I'm also on uh, uh, Nintendo Voice Chat uh, most weeks. You got your first hate mail, too. I did. I'm so proud. Sorry about that. (laughs) Take Splatoon lore seriously enough. And Uh, uh, I'm at uh, Charjonazard. I'm I'm rebranding these days. Yeah, yeah, I've decided to rebrand. I'm just swooping right in. (laughs) Jonathan is J.M. Dornbush, and you can find him all over the place doing all sorts of nice things. About Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. Um, And I'm Max Scoville, and that's that's it. And um, I'm I'm going to miss you, Alana. That's a damn pain in the ass. Good Lord. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you all for listening and for sticking with us through this with the weird emotional journey we call life. And uh, we'll be back next week again with a funny, weird live show. And then, I don't know, business as usual after that. Uh, beyond. Except without me in it. Beyond. <laughs> beyond. Say it one last time. Beyond. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.